you reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Case to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I'll be the music man's number one supplier. Flyer in a piece of paper bearing my name. Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain. That's right, Ho. What's good, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Amatella Kataya's podcast here with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on the evening of Wednesday, July the 26th, year 2023, or Thursday, July the 27th, the year 2023, depending on the uh, time and day you are listening to this, lots to do and talk about here in this program. Got a list of things to go down in terms of uh, Major League Baseball. Jalen Brown got a Supermax contract. I get into that uh, as the uh, show progresses. Uh, as a uh, touch on the Orioles, obviously. Quick show for you guys uh, this week. Try not, because I know the last... A uh, couple episodes have been rather long-winded, so I'll keep this one, uh, try to keep it short and sweet for you guys be no more than an hour, uh, you know, hour, hour, 15 minutes, if less than that, uh, 45 minutes uh, would be the exact time, you know, to get you guys in and out, but uh, we will keep the program short and sweet for you and keep it and get you along your merry way. Yes, I'm aware of the Jim Harbaugh suspension. Yes, Justin Herbert with his contract, uh, with his new contract with San, uh, San Diego. With uh, They've been there for about four or five years, and I'm still calling them San Diego. The Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, yes, of course, Saquon Barkley and, and the whole saga with that. Aaron Rodgers uh, taking a pay cut so he can be a Jet uh, for the next uh, couple of seasons down the road. And Jets training camp and the Jets on hard knocks. And Joe Burrow up for a new contract. I promise you I will get to all the NFL in due time. I am what if in case. Uh, basically, let me, let, me, let me reveal my hand, okay? You guys will not hear me discuss NFL football until August. Okay? August, that first week we actually have the Hall of Fame game a week from Thursday on August the 3rd. That, that the, the, the day before, so around either that day of the 3rd or the 2nd, you will hear me give you all the NFL that you've missed essentially since the last, prior to last month in June, all we talked about, of course, obviously, was NFL football because we, cause we uh, you know, stopped at a halt, at a screeching halt right in early December, right in the smack dab, a home stretch of the NFL season. So I promise you I will give you all of my NFL opinions, takes, briefly recap in terms of my, my takeaways on how the, the 22 NFL season uh, concluded. And all of those good things. So I will give you my opinions, all thing, and college football as well. So you'll get basically eighty percent because by that time the trade deadline be over with, and I don't expect it to be a busy headline with Shohei being taken off the market is a big reason why. So, uh, so 
it will be so spoiler alert the next time you will hear my voice next week as we open the month of august it will be it will be uh, nfl and college football heavy but in the meantime I want to you know give baseball it's it's spotlight and it's much due attention because essentially once uh essentially once uh, we have preseason football you know baseball now it shouldn't be but baseball will essentially go out of will go out of the clouds until uh, the last couple of weeks in September coming down the home stretch of the season and then October it will uh, have your Monday through Friday spotlight throw in a Monday night and Thursday night football game here and there uh, but it'll have the spotlight in October during the week, uh, unless you give a crap about regular season NBA basketball or regular season NHL hockey, which I do not. Not in October, I don't. NHL never. NBA, no. Wake me one. Wake me uh, in mid-November. Then I'll start to care and pay attention. Uh, in terms of taking the game-by-game results and box scores and performances seriously, especially for the especially for the older teams and the teams that had uh, deep playoff runs in the summertime, Denver, Miami, you know, uh, who else? Boston. I mean, come on. But anyway, I want to give baseball its do. It, it's it's must do. It's July, still thick of the baseball season, unless you're wrapped up on the. Women's World Cup, which I am not. That is the premier uh, event, premier sport, excuse me, team sport going on right now in the month of July is baseball. So I'll give you my two cents on the things I got coming up uh, on my little rundown here. And then, of course, Jalen Brown getting Supermax. I give you my opinions on that as the show moves along. Uh, where we will begin is with my Baltimore Orioles, who are... Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, are first place in the American League East. First time they have been in first place this late in the season, post All Star break, since two thousand and since two thousand and uh, since July of two thousand and uh, sixteen, which was the last time the aforementioned Orioles uh, made the playoffs. Made the playoffs, of course, and that was in a wild card game. In which they lost to the, uh, in which they lost to the Toronto Blue Jays. But uh, you know, and it's funny, you know, and I tell, and I tell you guys this all the time, especially when it comes to my teams. My tone on how I would talk about and or praise my teams would vary day to day, day to day, game to game based on whenever I hopped on here and recorded. So, for instance, if I were to come on, if I would have had done a show, say, on Monday morning or late or Sunday night, I would have came on here and would have sung the Orioles' praises to the high heavens for the job that they did taking three out of four from Tampa and walking out of that dump of a stadium, Tropicana Field, that got taken over by Orioles fans, by the way. And it, just as a side note, if you're, if you're a first-place team in the Tampa Bay Rays who have had a lot more recent success than the last five years than the Baltimore Orioles have had uh, prior, prior to this season and then in 23, if your stadium is – Yankee fans, I get 
Red Sox fans I get, they're two national, they're two, uh, they're two quote unquote national teams with big fan, with big fan bases that win a lot. I, they are, they I get, they understand. I mean, for goodness sakes, the Yankees spring training facility is closer to Tampa than than where the Rays play. Actually, it is in Tampa. It's about right across the it's a block away from Raymond James Stadium. But anyway, that's not a anyway, that's not a end of there. But that I understand. If your ballpark is getting taken over by Baltimore Orioles fans, it's about time the Tampa Bay Rays they might as well pack up, close up shop and find somewhere in Nashville or Durham or Charlotte, North Carolina, to, to call for a place to call themselves home. Because, and I was proud of my Orioles fans for taking over the building. But objectively speaking, if you're a Rays fan, the ten of you, the ten of you out there that are, that's 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 downright shameful and embarrassing. Have your ballpark uh, taken over by 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 and get and get flocked, or, or excuse me, become under sieged by a flock of Orioles fans. No pun intended. I mean that that is yeah. There, there's just no there's no excuse for that. You can say where the ballpark. I get good lord that 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 can if you're a Rays fan, you can. I understand Yankees and Red Sox. It's a given. But the fact that or that Oriole fans took over that place. I mean, jeez, that is that is. <laughs> if you're a Rays fan, that had to have been tough to. Tough to stomach. My goodness gracious me. I mean, it's not not too long ago this team won over a hundred. The Rays won over a hundred games, and the Orioles were were the one of the worst teams in a sport. And then here they are. Their fans are taking over your are taking over your ballpark, which is a perfect caveat and transition. Not caveat, but a perfect transition into the fact that it wasn't that long ago where the Baltimore Orioles were nothing more than a Tampa Bay Rays doormat, and they couldn't buy a victory against Tampa, especially down at Tropicana Field, which was a house of horrors as recently as last season when the Orioles won 83 games, went into Tampa in, I believe it was mid to, around this time last season, mid to late July they went down there uh, when they were chasing Tampa Bay for the wild for a wild card spot, and they lost two out of three to Tampa, in which their offense just did not show up. So, which was a continuation of a place that was just unkind to the Orioles in the years of 2021, 2019, 18, so on and so forth. You get the idea. They go into Tampa Bay. They take three. They take three or four. A gutsy, gritty win last Thursday night. Of course, uh, Felix Bautista. What a job getting the save back into the bullpen. Gunnar Henderson put on an absolute show. He homered in the win on Sunday afternoon and was flashing a glove playing playing defense that I that is quite frankly the best I've seen in his young uh major league career thus far up to this point. Uh just did a sensational job. Of course Ramon Arias keeps the game tied in the bottom of the eighth inning with a rocket hit the second base. Uh, he and he keeps the game intact. Ryan O'Hearn, I mean, what a just what an absolute, what a signing by Michael Elias, finding the diamond in the rough, and then what a sensational year that he has had. He cooled off a little bit uh, in the weeks following the uh, Kansas City Royal Series here uh, in the 4-1-0 in early June. He cooled off a little bit, and then. And suddenly he started within the matter of within the matter of the last few weeks of play, 
he's starting to heat back up again. Uh, with just a, he's hitting the absolute cover off the ball. Matter of fact, let me read you uh, his numbers uh, thus far this season, as my eyes are inexplicably uh, are itching like hell. Uh, he's hitting three oh. He's hitting three oh eight this season. Hitting three oh eight this season. Uh, currently with an OPS of 884, nine home runs and 33 RBIs. I mean, a sensational, and he, and he, and he just goes out there. If you, and I understand, you know, if you're not, if you're not watching Orioles baseball on nine and nine basis, you say to yourself, who the hell is Ryan O'Hearn? Well, he is a player that stepped up tremendously in the bad play and later the absence of Ryan Mountcastle who was out uh, for about a month if not a little more than that with vertigo in the month of June uh, he start he had an excellent game last night on Tuesday night starting then have a good good night at the plate uh, tonight I get to that in a minute uh, but he stepped up in his absence tremendous he's been solid at first base defensively. And he's been a excellent change of pace left-handed bat uh, at the uh, top and middle of the Orioles uh, of the Orioles lineup. So give Ryan O'Hurt a, a bunch of credit uh, and give the team a bunch of credit because they went into Tampa, took care of business. The bull, they Hyde managed that game like it was like it was the ALCS. He left no stone unturned when it came to plug uh, pressing the right buns with his bullpen. Uh, he let his starters, you know, he let he gave his starters the leash to go as deep as they possibly uh, to go as deep as they possibly could. The effort on Sunday by Tyler Wells was not good on any circumstances, and I've told you guys forever that he's that he's overrated. His French toast gives up way too many home runs for my liking. Sunday he walks the ballpark. He's hitting batters left and right. His command is just is just. Off the face of the earth, bad. Brandon Hyde chews him out before he sends him back out there at the top of the top of the fifth, or I don't know, I believe it was the top of the top of the fifth, top of the sixth thing. One of those two innings. I tweeted it uh, in real time, so whatever I tweeted in real time, take my word for what I tweeted uh, on Sunday rather than here three, three, four days later on uh, Wednesday night. But he went out there, gave Tywell's Peters mind, said, "Hey, you want to go back out there?" Pitch better and get your command up the snuff, and long and you know he gives up the he gives up the home run to Yandi the two run home run to Yandi uh, to Yandi Diaz which ended up uh, which ended up tying the game and again Wells over I would not trust him in a short series long series I just wouldn't I understand he's one of the league leaders in WHIP but he his command his command on Sunday worries the hell out of me and even when he has his command. He's he, you. If you are a betting man, you can do yourself a big favor and just win free money every fifth day. And that's betting. You know, t if you could find a prop bet out there, Tyler Wells allows one one at minimum one home run a start because I because I swear to you, damn it, every single start this man automatic home run ball. Doesn't matter if he's facing Tampa, if he's facing uh, the Cincinnati Reds, if he's facing. The Angels, the Yankees, it does not matter. The guy just is just going to give up home runs. The, the Marlins, the Twins, doesn't matter. He is going to give up at bare minimum a home run. 
he could have damn near a perfect game, retire 26 or 27 batters, and that one batter would have, will have gone deep on him. Not to say it to be harsh, it's just the way it is. And in my opinion, he's overrated, and I would not trust him in a postseason spot in a couple of months' time. But Hyde, a tremendous job Sunday. Goes to his bullpen. Felix Bautista, who was stretched to his limits, uh, did a did a good uh, did a good job for him in the uh, in the bottom half of the ninth inning. In the eighth inning, uh, let's see who they had uh, who the Orioles had in the eighth inning to refresh my um, to refresh my memory here. Eighth inning they had as my screen does not want to load for some inexplicable. They had Cano. Uh, who, you know, and I'll get to how he performed Tuesday night in a minute, but came in an inning of relief, got a strikeout, no harm, no foul. Bauman got the job done, which I was very, uh, walked two batters, but did an excellent job. He, he came up, he has also had some clutch moments. I've been, I've been uh, tough on him, tough on Danny Coulomb. Coulomb was suspect the other night, but Bauman and Coulomb have been clutch over, you know, in their previous outings over the span of the last week or so coming out of the well really really if you go back the last uh, month or so they've had their moments where they've been extremely clutch in high leverage moments in relief and they've gotten the job done I'm on Bauman like flies on crap I gotta give him his props two and a two and two thirds innings of relief no hits no runs Two walks, which I can't stand, but a solid outing on uh, on Sunday, and then the day before on Saturday, uh, they do it. You know, they get the they blow up McClanahan. They blow up McClanahan, and that big time, big time, big time, big time, big time. And I knew heading into Saturday's game after their after the offense didn't post on Friday. Okay, it happens. You know, you, you live and you learn. You 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 flush it down the toilet. You rinse. You move on on to the next one. Uh, so I knew, and I knew that McClanahan was pitching. I wasn't worried because listen, the Orioles. You know when. When things break right to them and they have the and they have the right philosophy at the plate, they can hit, get hits off of any big time pitcher in the sport. Uh, they they face Garrett Cole Friday night, and uh, which is which I'm not concerned about at all because the Orioles have beaten up on Garrett Cole in the past. Uh, have beaten up on Garrett Cole in the past. They did a good job of going up uh, when they took care of business against. Um, uh, not uh, not Strider, but uh, Max Freed, uh, and that actually was a start that he that he last time we that we've seen that we saw him prior to his uh, uh prior to his IL stint back in early May. But he at that point in time was the Braves' best pitcher in their rotation. Orioles got to him pretty uh, pretty badly, so I knew that they had a chance against McClanahan. They had a five run. Uh, fourth inning on Saturday. On Saturday, and then what? The, and then what does the team? What does my Orioles seem to do? They blow it. They implode. Two runs in the sixth. A run in the seventh. Two in the eighth, and they absolutely implode. And then they get to the top of the. And then they get to the top of the ninth inning. And these are hits off. And they Isaiah Paredes, Randy the Rosarena, and I'm sitting. I'm and I was doing yard work that day at for at a buddy of mine's house, and I and I'm literally. Uh, and I'm literally saying and muttering to myself, "You, how in the hell can you guys sit around and blow this game?" Jorge Mateo, a complete disgrace. Randy Rosarena hits a ground ball, uh, hits a ground ball, uh, 
to Jorge Mateo. Hits a ground ball to Jorge Mateo. Matter of fact, let me pull up the play right now, right now, so I can so I can sit up here and uh, and watch it as I'm talking to as I'm talking to you guys because Jorge Mateo between his piss poor fielding on with this play I'm about to uh, diagram for you that happened Saturday. How his play that he had last night it's just enough i mean there it is. it's a ground it's a it's five four fujinami who friday gives up the gave up the uh, home run got ambushed his first pitch as an oreo and then came into the game saturday was not very good had a better outing today or no not today had a better outing last night uh, but, but, you know, so we'll see where Fujinami is in terms of where he can kind of fit in the Orioles bullpen. I, I'm not going to press the panic button for Fujinami, but my goodness gracious, there's two outs bottom of the eighth inning. Fujinami has a Rosarena and a one, two count, uh, Orioles up by a, up by a run. And here it is. It's a ground ball. I understand they play on turf, but it didn't hit the turf. It hit the grass. It's a pop, you know, a nice little hard hit, little hard hit ground ball that should pop up right into uh, Mateo's glove. He gets it, gathers it, throws the first base. End of the inning, Orioles have the lead. Instead, it goes off the off his glove, goes in the left field. Rays tie the game at five five. And then you turn around, and this, my friends, and if in the world of broadcasting is what they call a perfect segue, then you turn around last night. You turn around last night. Here it is, Yenier Cano. I understand that he, along with many of the or members of the Orioles bullpen, are dog tired. It's hot. It's muggy. Peak of the summertime. Uh, peak of the summertime heat. They they are they no off day in between the four game ten, not three games four games. So they have they the Orioles have played every single day up until tomorrow. They have played every single day coming out of the All-Star break. They have not had a day off since since Thursday, July the 13th. So I get that. No, they've, they've played every day up until tomorrow with the off day. They've played every day since July 13th. I get that. I understand that Yenier Cano, along with Batista, and everybody else in the Orioles bullpen, especially the the uh, the uh, the better ones that are the high leverage guys late in games, that that they're tired. That even with the All Star break, they and, and that grueling series against Tampa, a series that they had to have to get first place, and also for some uh, tiebreaker insurance at the end of the season. I, I get it. I understand that. But in a but in the scenario last night. Where uh, where Cano has two strikes up against, and let me read and let me read you the play by play sheet, play by play sheet. But in a scenario last night where the Orioles blew, you know, blew it, and I I'm more upset about how they lost today's game more so than last, more so than their four three loss last night. But they had a three two lead heading into the bot heading into the bottom of the ninth inning. Okay. They had Yenier Cano on fumes. I, you know, he pitched Sunday. I, I, I understand it. And then throughout the duration, 
And in his appearances down in Tampa in the race series last weekend, Ben McDonald pointed out that there was something different about his arm angle and his release point, and could it be attributed to him being worn down and him getting tired and just general fatigue? Not necessarily thinking that he's saying that he's and speculating that he's injured, but could it be you know just a sign of fatigue and that Cano is all is is almost at the end of his rope and he's got to basically. Take a take a good breather, or else, or else the Orioles, you know, brand new toy of a weapon is going to burn out later in the season when the Orioles are going to need are going to need them the most. But there's two, but there's but there is two outs, two outs. Orioles up three two. Cano has two strikes on by on on Bryce and Scott. Two sh- oh, excuse me, the game was tidy. I apologize. But still, there's two... Uh, uh, Scott is the one that uh, scored Harper. But there's still... There are two outs. Game is tied. Winning... Game is tied. Stide is 180 feet away from end of the game. Tied game. You still have two outs. And I believe the Orioles had... They had Santander was the final out, which meant that the, which meant that the Orioles would have had would have had O'Hearn, Mount Castle, and Frazier doing doing the top do up in the top of the tenth. So you would have had so you would have had you would have had Mount Castle who had you would have had Mount Castle who reached base in every in every at bat last night. You would have had O'Hearn, who was hitting a cover off the ball, who hit a go-ahead home run in the top of the eighth inning. And then you would have had Adam Frazier, who, albeit is in 241, has had his fair share of late-inning of late inning heroics with the Orioles throughout the duration of this season. Yet, you have two-out tie game, ground ball from... Ground ball from... Uh, Ground ball to uh, why in the hell am I losing my space here? This is the third. This is the bottom of the ni- This is the bottom of the ninth inning. Ground ball. Uh, ground ball to Jorge Mateo. Two out. How in the hell does Jorge Mateo not make that play? I, he's a major league infielder. Okay, major league infielder. That is a play that every single shortstop, I don't care if you're Jorge Mateo, Derek Jeter, Ozzie Smith, uh, Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, I'm not interested. I don't care if you're in the major leagues, if you're D1 NCAA, D2 NCAA, high school varsity, travel ball, or playing in the Little League World Series southwest of Philadelphia in Williamsport. I am not interested. If you are a major league level shortstop, there is zero excuse for Jorge Mateo to double clutch on a routine chopper, hit his way, for him to double clutch, throw to first base, and give the Phillies an extra out. And an and an added base runner to boot, and and an inconsequential base runner to give him an extra base runner to boot, because on two outs, not one out. If it's one out and he doesn't make the throw, I I would hate it just as much. 
but one out, the Phillies are not going to risk the opportunity to get thrown out at to have the winning run thrown out at third base. Uh, with uh, have the winning run thrown out at third base when they have uh, when they have Bryson when they have uh, uh, when they have excuse me why in the, this dopey app when they have Alec Bohm sitting on deck. They're not. They're not going to do that. If it's one out, they're going to. They're going to have him hold still. If Mattel doesn't throw the ball away, but but uh, but doesn't throw the doesn't throw the ball away, but but JT real but JT real Muto reaches, you'll live. You'll live. But and or excuse me, the Phillies will live. If if the runner on second base holds. But you cannot under any circumstances if you're Jorge Mateo. And it'd be one thing if it was a, if it was just a one-time occurrence with this guy. But I told you, again, 5-4, two out, bottom of the eighth. Randy Rosarena's up who, for the, up until that point, hadn't done a damn thing that entire series in the, in the throughout his pure set bats on Saturday and in the game on Thursday and Friday. I, it didn't hit the it, so you can't step in and blame the turf or oh, bad bounce with turf. No, it hit the hit the hit, it hit the field dirt, popped up, should have went into Mateo's glove, gathers it, throws it to first base, and it over. Stead goes off his glove into left field, raised tie the game. Fortunately enough for him, Ryan O'Hearn comes up top in the ninth inning and gives the Orioles the lead because the Rays bullpen is. Tax to Allen back, which is a, which is part of their problem. Why they're in the predicament with such the piss poor July that they've had and, and playing a part in them blowing the division. But that's not up to this point. But that's not the end or there. Then a couple of days later, similar situation. Only this time the game is on the line. It's not bottom of the eighth inning. It's bottom of the ninth. The game is tied rather than the Orioles being up one. And this is also an elementary play. Ground ball should go. Ground ball goes into his glove. He gets it with. He gets it with his right hand. Fluid throw to first base. Get Real Muto out. Innings over. Orioles they blow the lead. Game is tied. But you go top of the tenth inning, and you have Mountcastle O'Hearn. You have O'Hearn, Mountcastle, and Frazier do up in the top of the tenth. Instead, he gets the ball, he double-clutches for some ungodly reason, takes a sweet pitch, throwing the first base, Real Muto safe, runner uh, uh, Scott, Stott, whatever his name is, moves from second base to third base, winning runs 90 feet away, where a basic base hit on the ground, at bare minimum, it's, it's game over. And this, and this is not even... Taking account for the fact, and I'll read you his numbers right now. And this is not even taken into account that Jorge Mateo, this season, ladies and gentlemen, since since April 29th, okay, not not June 29th, not May 29th, since April 29th. So that's all of May. All of June, and basically you can practically say almost all, all, you can practically say at this point all of July. Do you know that Jorge Mateo is hitting, okay, is hitting 
155 since April 30th, but what difference does it make? 155, he's in 155 with 27 hits, a single home run, 15 RBIs, and 19 runs scored. And that's not accounting into his feeble one for three, one for four performance with his little dopey single and scoring on Adley's three-run home run today. That's not even taking into account for that. So what? That that so what? That would make it what? Him hitting barely at the 160 mark with 28 hits, still one home run since April 30th, still 15 RBIs and a bolstering 20 runs scored in 64 games since April 30th. So let me get this straight. He can't hit his weight, he can't field, and when he got on base in the top half of the ninth inning last night, inexplicably, whether it's the Orioles coaching staff or by his own uh, choice, he was he was sitting there at first base, he wasn't in motion. So let me... The only reason why this man is on it is, I am told, other than the fact that he, you know, that that the team gets a huge kick out of him running up to the camera during home games and shouting vomitos like he's about to kick off an episode of Dora the Explorer for the Orioles' little asinine uh, Instagram, pregame Instagram store before first pitch, before every home game. I am told that he is still on this roster because of his speed and his elite base running ability. Yet late in the game, when a run, in a one-run game, when the Orioles' bullpen is literally hanging on by a thread while when trying to trying to win and steal every game that they can before they hop on a bus and head down south back home to take on the Yankees this weekend. He's sitting at first base, one-run ball game, one of the fastest guys on the team, and he stays put. And he goes out into the field having damn near blown the game on Saturday afternoon against Tampa, he goes out there, double clutches, can't get the ball out of his glove for some inexplicable reason, and can't get JT Real Muto slow behind, running running up first base. With one more out to record, and it's tie game, top of the tenth, and again, one more time, Mount Castle, it's O'Hearn first, who hit the home who hit the go ahead home run in the top of the eighth inning, who's been absolutely on fire in the last two months, and then following up right behind them, Ryan Mountcastle, who had an immaculate night night at the plate and went deep on Monday night. And for some inexplicable reason, Jorge Mateo in the year 2023, as I sit here on July the 26th, is still on this roster. My question to Mike Elias in the Orioles front office is why? My beef with the Orioles right now is is not written and I'm, I'm, I am not pleased by any stretch that they blew two winnable games and quite frankly could have finagled their way with their with their being blindfolded with one hand behind their back could have swept the Philadelphia Phillies. I understand the Phillies are no, are no slouch, and but granted, damn it, they were on a slide heading into this series, and they just avoided a sweep in Cleveland against the Guardians heading into this series. And I, and I understand Harper and Castellanos, this team can hit. They're defending National League champions for a reason. 
But they could have somehow finagled their way with one arm, with their hand tied behind their back and halfway blindfolded. They could have found a way to swept the Phillies. And the, and, the, and the glaring reasons of why they didn't has me annoyed and has me pissed off. Throw in the fact that if Brandon Hyde would have not turned into a pumpkin, I mean, he, I, it's, 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 it was ridiculous with this manager. In the weekend against Tampa, he's he's Earl Weaver, and then on Monday night he's got Dean Kramer cruising along seven innings of I rate you I rate you his numbers because Dean Kramer was absolutely phenomenal in his outing on Monday night, and here it is Brandon Hyde. You know he and Aaron Boone are birds of the same flock. So quick to run to that dopey asinine over Yankees overrated us overused and overtaxed and dare I say you could argue except for two or three players overrated he runs to his bullpen to, to bring in to bring in Danny Coulomb who had to perform a couple of high wire acts down in Tampa over the weekend he pulls Dean Kramer after seven innings of two hit one run uh three now he listen he he walked two batters which I don't love didn't struck out a lot of guys but still seven innings of three hit one run baseball is still seven innings of three hit one run baseball period case close end of story I don't care if you walk five batters and 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 strike out and strike out one guy if the if the hit if the innings pitch is high and the hits and runs column is low you did your job do I love the two walks? No, but I. But he. If he had more walks than he did runs allowed, that's a good thing. If he went, if, especially if he went six or more innings, that's a good thing. I live. I live with the walks. If his walks are are one, two, three more than the runs that he gave up, that's fine. And knowing good and full well coming off of that emotionally and mentally draining and taxing four game series against Tampa. Throw in the fact that the bullpen had to be used a little bit because the because the starting pitching couldn't get the job done in in their in their first two losses back last week against the against the Dodgers with it in post. He goes he runs to his bullpen, runs to Coulomb, and I'm simply saying, Hyde, what are you doing? Kramer's pitch count is not through the roof. They they can't hit him. They've had, they've mustered they've mustered only only five base runners the entire game. They, he's surrendered. He's surrendered one lousy run, three lousy hits. Leave him in the damn game so he can get his confidence up. And at the very least, give your bullpen a rest. You, you, that game should have been Dean Kramer's the entire way through. If he shows a couple of hiccups in the eighth, okay, fine, get somebody up. You live with it. You deal with it. If he gets through the eighth, shows the hiccups in the ninth, get get, get and you got to go to Baker or Coulomb. Fine. But he screwed himself Tuesday with his managerial decisions on Monday night. He's he's yanking Dean Kramer with a fairly reasonable pitch count. He's giving up three lousy hits, one run, seven innings. He pulls him out of the game. Why? Give him the eighth inning. Hide for God's sakes. Your bullpen is taxed the hell and back. What are you doing running to so, so you... To be to put yourself in a situation where you have to have Sino Perez, the pitcher that has taken the biggest step back 
this season compared to how he performed last season. He's regressed the biggest out of all of your guys in your bullpen. You put yourself in a situation where you have to use him to close in a one-run game on the road against the defending National League champions. All could have been avoided had you let Dean Kramer pitch the eighth inning. Why do I bring that up? Why do I bring that up? It's because he screwed himself because he was put him, putting himself in a situation where he had to use Cano, where he couldn't and arguably shouldn't have had to if he lets Dean Kramer go to distance on Monday night. You let Dean Kramer go eight innings or he goes seven and a third, seven and two-thirds, or goes eight innings or eight and a third or eight and two-thirds, you bring in Coulomb and or Baker, And then you have you, and then you have yourself in a situation where if you have to use Cnel Perez last night, you I don't like it, but you have to use him. You don't have to worry about him pitching a back to back. Or or you can bring in Coulomb, or you can bring in Baker. But arguably, Cano is just as worn out and exhausted as Batista. They both pitched in the All Star game. They both damn near pitch in, 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 you know, if the Orioles have a lead in the seventh, eighth inning and, you know, a, a one-two run deficit, I'd, I'd have to do some serious digging to find a game where the Orioles were winning late in the game or and or the game was tied and one, and one pitcher pitched prior to, and I'm talking about prior to Tuesday night, one pitcher pitched and not the other. So they most likely, when one's in the game, the other one will soon follow, and vice versa. They both pitched in the All-Star game, and they've been a constant. They've been a constant part of the bullpen since early April. And if anything, Cano is more tired because there's been more instances where Hyde has gone to Cano and said, "Hey." Cano, I need four outs from you. He brings a, you know, he he goes ahead and he has a mini perform, you know, has a so-so performance in the eighth inning one night, and he has to bring in Cano again the following night. They get two outs in the seventh, or they or they get two outs in the seventh and one out in the eighth. And he goes ahead and he brings him in. He's not a closer. Now he should have gotten the job done. He blew the save, so I'm not letting him off the hook. But still. He's had he has two outs, one out away from closing the deal. He's got to get the job done. I, so I am not giving him a free pass by any sense of circumstances. But uh, and he's been and he's been hittable and easy to figure out as the league has learned essentially since the month of June. I get it, but but if but it, it, Cano doesn't give up the game winning single. If if. Mattel simply does his job. And the fact that he and today Sinel Perez, who imploded yet again, and again, Brandon Hyde, you were blessed, not lucky, not fortunate, blessed that Sinel Perez get, was able to escape out of that high wire act on Monday night and somehow lock down a save. And you even saw it when the Orioles had you know, ha have had six, five, four run leads in the ninth inning. They brought in whether whether against Toronto or against 
Cincinnati earlier this season, back back in uh, back in back in mid late June, Hyde's brought him in, and he's had problems when when the Oilers have spotted him four, five, six runs. He puts him in an impossible spot Monday night. Fortunately enough, he gets out of it. But what does he do when the Orioles are are are, are down a run? Clinging on whatever possibility they have left after they after which felt like one run felt like ten. Then when Austin Hayes found a way to tie the game up in the in the top of the seventh inning, what does he do? Down down a run. What does he do? Brings in Sino Perez. Why? Somebody in the Orioles brass has explained to me why in the hell Perez and they're not the only ones. I've screamed and yelled about Voth and Aiken from the rooftops, but they're on the shelf, so they are what they are. These two, these two are active. They're not on the shelf. They're just bad baseball players. Somebody with the Orioles brass has to explain to me why in the hell those two guys are still on the roster. Perez, I, I mean, at what point if you're Brandon Hyde do you ch- stop chasing the ghost that doesn't, the ghost or the thing, whatever you want to call it, that the mirage, which is what it is, when, when are you going to stop chasing things that don't exist and just take it at face value that the Cena praise you saw in 2023 is not, ain't a thing in 2023? Whether he'll find it in 2024 beyond, that's a question for for November, December, and January of closing out this year and in and into the next calendar year. Conversations you can have at spring training down at Sarasota, Florida at 5 o'clock in the morning in the middle of February when it's 20 degrees outside in Baltimore. It's not, not the time. In 2023, when you're in first place after all that hard work you did, keeping pace with Tampa Bay, keeping them stride for stride, still, you know, being, being, you know, lurking behind their shoulder, theoretically speaking, in the division. All that, all that, that, that extra hard work in the, and in the games that they've grinded out and this, that, and the third. And here it is, the Orioles are still trotting out two reject bums that have a place on the Orioles circa 2021, circa 2020, and have zero business being on this team right here, right now, in late July of 2023 with this team with the best record in the American League and a game and a half to three games if you factor in tiebreaker and loss column and all that jazz uh, up on up on the uh, Tampa Bay race. Can't have it. I understand that that the team isn't completely finished with the rebuild in terms of their front office and they're still and the and the Orioles still have players on this team that aren't a part of the long term future of the franchise. Uh, Adam Frazier being one of them, but it's it's no it's still no excuse. You're a contending team atop of not just your division but but the entire American League. You have a you have you have a, an opportunity to do something that no Oriole team has done in forty years, and that's make it to the World Series, not not even win it, but make it but make it to the Fall Classic. You have an opportunity to do what what no Orioles teams has found a way to do in nine years, and that's win a postseason series. You have an opportunity to do, to do what no Orioles team has done in seven years, and that's make it to the playoffs to play a playoff game. 
and yet we're farting around with Jorge Mateo and and Sinel Perez. I mean, really? It ain't rocket science, guys. Elias and the crew. I understand, you know, with the uh, the bullpen, it has its flaws, it has its issues. Uh, outfield, it's a little shaky because Cedric Mullins, obviously, aforementioned as I discussed last week, back on the IL with with the groin issue. I get that, and now Aaron Hicks is going to miss about a week or so with him hurting himself with the with the impressive diving catch that he made that Rob Thompson should have challenged. I don't know what the hell he was looking at. The ball clearly is out of Hicks's glove, and Thompson's just sitting there. It's 85 degrees outside. He's wearing a zip-up jacket. I mean, geez, Pops, are you awake? My goodness gracious, he somehow didn't decide to challenge that. But anyway, and now Aaron Hicks is going to miss some time. So I so I understand that there is other needs with the roster right now, and and doing what you can to fill the needs and to fill the voids that lie to put the Orioles in the best chance to win. But damn it, enough is enough. You cannot continue if you want to be taken seriously as a big time contender in the American League, not just the American League East, but the in the American League period. You cannot, under any circumstances, to continue to to uh, subject us Orioles fans and and have the other 24 players on the roster stomach these two bums that have zero business. If you want to debate whether or not they deserve to be Major League Baseball, that's one thing. They should not be on the 2023 first place Baltimore Orioles. I'm not saying that from a place of arrogance. I'm saying that from a place of fact. At some point in time, you have to look at your be happy and proud of the situation that you guys are in, finally, but also realize that with great power comes great responsibility. As much is given, much is required. This ain't, you know, 2021 where, you know, you can, you can keep the bums around and see what they have and you know, you can trot them out there because who else do you have better to go with? And you're not going anywhere. You're not making the playoffs. You're not competitive. This, that, and the third. No. No. Because us Oriole fans, I don't care if you are 61 years old, 21 years old, or 31 years old. Okay? If you're an old fart that goes back to the 66 championship and went over the Dodgers, or you're the millennial or Gen Z Oriole fan that ha- that can count on one hand how many times you've seen the Orioles finish above 500 in your lifetime. I, it, it doesn't matter to me. We will not stomach losing a playoff game and and or a playoff series because Jorge Mateo can't field a basic ass uh, ground ball to to the six hole and throw it over to first base in time. Nor will we, nor will we be able to stomach Cino Perez walking the ballpark and serving up batting practice. We're not going to tolerate it. We're not going to put up with it with, with without kicking and screaming and, and and saying something about it. We've 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 been through too much for too long to have to put us to, for this team to allow themselves to put themselves in a situation where our season can be destroyed or severely altered or changed or whatever word you want to come up with because Jorge Mateo can can his his glove is his glove is non-existent and he has a feeble 
uh, and he has a feeble throwing arm as in the shortstop. Nor will we be able to stomach Cena Perez pitching ourselves out of a playoff win because he can't get the ball over the plate and throw strikes. And when he does throw strikes, the opposing hitters hit the ball nine miles all, all over the baseball, all over the baseball uh, uh, stadium, all over the ballpark. He can't throw strikes when he does throw strikes. It's glorified, it's glorified, sped up batting practice. We're not, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to tolerate and put up with that. Enough's enough. You, you cut, you, you cut your dead weight, and these two are, are, are just as much dead weights as, as the likes as Keegan Aiken and Austin Voth. Enough is enough, Michael Elias. Before you want to go out there and see if you can negotiate with teams with trades and all that, do 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 some in-house examination first. Then worry. Then go ahead and and, and talk about and talk about out out uh, out of out of uh, out of house out of uh, what's the out of uh, out out of house affairs because the first two in-house affairs you guys you. As GM and the executive VP need to address are these two players. Mateo stinks. His glove is terrible. He, he, he's, he's, his, his arm is pathetic. His uh, in terms of in terms of his consistent accuracy, accuracy and get the ball all over the first base. He makes errors ad infinitum. He was top ten, top five in the American League in errors last year. And I got to hear Orioles fans. By the way, the Orioles fans that were kicking and screaming about Jorge Mateo winning winning the Gold Glove last season. Where are you now today? I mean, please. He, he, he is not good at shortstop under any circumstances. Glove is suspect. Uh, throwing arm is his, 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 uh, his arm is suspect. And his bat at the plate is feeble. And a complete waste of time. Damn near an automatic out every single time he steps into the batter's box. Strikes out 90,000 times, puts up non-competitive at-bats, swinging at pitches that are, pitches that are out of the strike zone by, by feet, not, not by a couple of inches, but by feet, plural, at his head, at his, at, at his, at his shoe tops, at, low and away. It's, it's a joke. Enough's enough. You have Joey Ortiz, who has been, who was, who was on this Orioles team for about a minute, Who's hitting 348 with a 403 and a 581 uh, with a 141 WRC plus? If you care about that dopey stat, just rotting and wasting away in the minor leagues. Nothing else left to prove. He's in a minor league slugging 348, and here's Jorge Mateo who can't hit his weight, blowing games left and right because he doesn't know how to work his glove and and get the ball out of his glove in his right hand and throw it over the first base. I mean you with with a team that's in first place with the best record in the American League and in the division after all we've been through as a franchise and those players that he shares a clubhouse with has been through as a team and we gotta sit up here and stomach with Jorge Mateo still struggling at the basic fundamental shit that I could find little leaguers capable of mastering. I mean you must you must be kidding me. And Sinel Perez, if he isn't walking the ballpark, he's serving up batting practice. The 2022 Sinel Perez was a one-hit wonder. Okay? He, he, he was, you know what he was? 
he was the he was he was the uh, he was the he was the supermodel that went that showed up at a at a random high school one day and went out on that one date with that one kid and was never to be seen with that with that seventeen year old uh, junior or senior in high school ever again. It was a one time loan, one sale, one event only thing. The 2022 Cena Perez is not coming back. And if he is coming back, it's next season, not this season. And I don't give a damn about next season. I'm in the middle of this season, and I want to capitalize everything that this team has the capability to capitalize this season. Let me worry about 2024 Cena Perez in February of 2024, in January 2024. Because all I know is, is that I want come April 2024, my Orioles to raise a banner that says American League champions or dare I wish World Series champions. And you're not going to get there if you keep trotting out these two scrubs on a day in and day out basis. I don't care if we're up one, down one, or the game is tied. It is enough Brandon Hyde of, of the Cena Perez show. I've seen enough. I've had enough. And Jorge Mateo, he can't hit, he can't field. Apparently, he can't steal bases either. He damn skippy can't bunt. He's he he's he is useless on this roster. Again, I could care less about the fact that he runs up to the camera before every little before every Orioles home game and yells vomitos to the sky like he's kicking off an episode of Door of the Explorer, circa 1999. I am not interested. Get him off. My team, call up Joey Ortiz, get rid of Cmel Perez, take them both on on a, make a pit stop when you come down the I ninety five highway on your way back south home, back home to the four one zero. You make a pit stop at Rehoboth Beach, Rehoboth Beach. You tell Perez, you tell Mateo, pack your shit, you throw them out the bus, a la a la uh, uh, Uncle Phil to uh, to Jazz and Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You throw them off the bus. On flat onto the boardwalk of Rehoboth Beach, you lock the doors, you change the locks, you get that crap out of the locker room back here at the stadium in Baltimore, and you know what? You call up Joy Ortiz, you call up Nick Vespi, and you move on, you buckle down, you get some rest, and you get ready to kick the Yankees' tail this weekend. Case closed, period, end of freaking story. Enough's enough. They've played they've played good ball all season long in the month of July. And I'll be damned if I'm gonna have these two jerk offs rolling what has an opportunity to be a great all time core memorable season for my baseball team. I'll be damned if I, if I gotta sit up here and stomach these two jabronis ruining it because they because they still can't master the basic freaking fundamentals of the positions that they at that they play. Can't take it anymore. Can't take it. Hyde has his moments where he's out the lunch, but granted he, he does have his team in first place. He does have his team in first place. Can I kill him for bringing for for putting Bradish back out there and and late in the game today? Not really. I don't I don't know whether I loved it where I, 
because on one hand, his bullpen is taxed, and the guys that he has available aren't very good. And on the other hand, Bradish was was cruising a little bit lately, but he's he also gave up four runs and was getting hit around a little bit and blew a 3 nothing lead that was spotted to him by the great Adley Rutschman. So it's like he's caught between a rock and a hard place until he goes in there with his team down a run with when the game literally was, was, was it was get, like the phrase I say all the time with football games when it gets when it gets past that six minute mark in the fourth quarter it's getting early late well the game got early late on the Orioles and here it is they're down they're down a run after Austin Hayes's game tying RBI single in the top of the seventh inning and he trots out Cino Perez I mean again that that's Brandon Hyde what are you gonna do but he has his team in first place he ain't going nowhere. But who should be going somewhere is Cino Perez and Jorge Mateo. Both and uh, Aiken will address when they get back. Speaking of the New York Yankees, they had a team that the Orioles play next coming up the, uh, this weekend here at the yard. Orioles' quick three-game homestand against the Yankees, their final regular season matchup against the uh, New York final regular season series against the Yankees rumblings. And it seems like it's ba- it's basically uh, an all but confirm an all but confirmed uh, deal uh, that uh, Aaron judge is going to be back for the weekend series uh, against my Boston Orioles because of course he is. That's just how this, that's just how this rolls. Not surprised in the leaders bit and, uh, and, in terms of, you know, how the Yankees conduct things and Orioles, Yankees, and me. It's just when you live long enough, you, you just see the, you see these things coming. It's just a fact of the matter. Uh, so the thing I would have to say, though, about the Yankees is that, A, I think, and, they, and the Yankees have been very coy about their, um, about judges, uh, Judges, I mean, we've obviously seen him out there on the field take batting practice, participate in simulated games, outfield drills, base running drills, the whole nine. But in terms of his actual health, you know, day-by-day status, the Yankees have been very mum and very coy on how Aaron Judge's toe has been feeling. So, and I get the feeling that with with their offense being as feeble and as pathetic and just meh as it's been since he's been gone I get the feeling that the Yankees are rushing him back that he probably shouldn't return until the first week of August the week of the 6th through the 12th and they're rushing him back about a week and a half two weeks than when he really should be back to to make sure that that toe is completely uh, completely healed, but you know the Yankees have themselves in a situation kind of a little bit similar to what basically the predicament that the Lakers were in with LeBron James's foot injury that he that he knew he he needed uh, uh, surgery for this off season right here in the here and now. Uh, they're in a similar situation to let that the Lakers were with LeBron, where they knew that they were nothing without him. But he's their only fighting chance that they have of doing any po- of making and creating any postseason damage, and and he gives he provides uh, hope and light at the end of the tunnel for the other players in that locker room and the fan base, uh, and of course creates buzz and hype on social media, television, and this, that, and the third. So he ended up, you know, 
bringing him back when LeBron James really, you know, sh shouldn't have been playing the rest of the season. But he had no choice. Best player by far on the team. He's got to do his job. The captain of the Lakers, he had to do his job. Aaron Judge, same thing. Captain of the Yankees. You know, he, he's, the, he's the straw that stirs their drink. Their best player, most valuable p position player on the team. He has no choice at this rate, the way the season's gone for the Yankees, so he has to come back. So if I were a Yankee fan, I would, I, I wouldn't, A, I wouldn't be, well, I'd say this. I would not be surprised or in, and hold Judge's feet to the fire too badly if he's 60-70%, not as mobile in the outfield, not as mobile running the bases, and his mechanics with his swing are a little off kiltered because he's not all the way back yet. I, I be upset. Listen, I'm not going to tell a, a, a fan how to how to feel. But what I am going to say is just don't be surprised if Judge is you know if Judge make if Judge is comes up gingerly or runs the bases very as swiftly and gingerly as he possibly can without putting a whole hell of a... And maybe not necessarily in the first or second inning, but, you know, in the later innings, Friday night, and then, you know, if and then Saturday, don't be, don't, don't be surprised. Don't throw a fit. Don't just take it for what it is. Hope they don't further injure it. Hope that, you know, it doesn't mess up his mechanics too much and then you, and you keep it moving. But I do think the Yankees are rushing him back, and I think in the long term it could be a big mistake in terms of affecting Judge's health down the road because Judge is no spring chicken. You know, 29, I believe now he's 30 years old, so he's in a 30 threshold. He's six foot eight, six foot nine, and listen, if it's football, it'd be something different. But you know, of uh, there's only going to be a matter of time till uh, the six, till that six foot eight, that enormous frame that he has is going to start taking a toll on his legs and. It's and and the toes that you know his feet are just the end of it you know just the his ankles his his knees the calf muscles the hamstring the quads it's just, you know so and then and they knew that when they gave him the contract but you know I would be I would be very worried if I were a Yankee fan that the Yankees prematurely rushing Judge back I think prematurely rushing Judge back to save this season maybe not haunt them or hurt them this season, but could haunt them and hurt them in the long run down the road in uh, Aaron Judge's career as uh, as the years go by. But uh, their offense, you know, it is what it is. They didn't post last night. Uh, the Mets rocked the, uh, rocked the, uh, the uh, Yankees world on Tuesday night, which is saying something because the Met offense ain't worth uh, two dead flies smashed. They got the job done today. Boone was in a quick hurry. I like Hyde with Kramer on Monday night. Was in a hurry to pull uh, Carlos Rodon out the game when he was cruising. When he was cruising along, and gave up. You know whether he doesn't want to have him uh, face the uh, the young catcher there for the Mets. Who knows? And they didn't come back to bite him in the ass. The Yankees ended up uh, getting the job done and getting the win tonight on Wednesday, but it's just one of those things where it's just Aaron Boone has zero clue, zero feel for the game. His teams, more more times than not this season, have come out flat as a freaking pancake. No energy, just nothing. I mean, thank God they got Carlos Rodon to inject a little bit of life 
into what's a dead caucus of a team. Again, another reason why they're bringing Judge back. But if you look at the Yankees' schedule, this is a period in time. And their season, you know, if had they lost tonight, their season basically, their season's on life support as it is. But you might as well declare the Yankees dead had the Yankees uh, found a way to lose to the Mets earlier this afternoon. If you look at the Yankees' schedule, Right here, they get they and this and I was not impressed with them sweeping Kansas City. Kansas City is the worst team in the sport. Jordan Lyles shouldn't be in the major leagues. Bobby Wood Jr. stinks. Uh, so I'm not so and nor did any Yankees fans. Some of them did, but the ones that had a good head on their shoulders knew that it was more about the Royals being utter trash than it was, you know, the Yankees being back because, again, they have an off day Monday and then they implode against the Mets on, on, uh, on last night on Tuesday. Find a way to get done winning 3-1. And then they have a road trip where quick trip to Baltimore and then they come back and then they come back home come the 31st next Monday. But quick trip to Baltimore. Uh, then it's Tampa and Houston uh, seven, a seven-game homestand against Tampa and Houston. Then they get a little bit of a break. Three against the White Sox in Chicago. Miami, who's who struggled coming out of the All-Star breakdown in South Beach uh, in early August. And then it's the Atlanta Braves down in the ATL. Come back home to play Boston. Uh, cupcake schedule with the... Or cupcake uh, series at home against the Nationals. But then back to the grindstone on the road against Tampa, and then four on the road in Detroit, and that's the close out the month of August. So they have a couple of laughers against Chicago, Washington, and Detroit. But they have the Red Sox, who who always find a way to beat the piss out of the Yankees, especially in Yankee Stadium. And then they got to host Tampa, host the Astros again, who the Yankees never beat. And then go on the road this weekend against my aforementioned Baltimore Orioles, who the who who uh, granted last time they went to they went to Baltimore at the beginning of the season for the Orioles home opener series in early May, they took the uh, they took the series two games to one east a weekend, but uh, but the Orioles have had success against New York since then, and Yankees see them took in, taking two out of three from them in the month of May and splitting this and splitting a. Why can't I speak English? And splitting a four-game series uh, uh, earlier this month in early July. So this will be for the season series. Matter of fact, you do the math. The Orioles have one, have one win at home. They have, uh, they have two wins at Yankee Stadium. And they have another two wins. So you do the math. The Orioles have two. The Orioles have one. One, three, five wins. So the Orioles have five wins. The Yankees have, they have two here in Baltimore. They have two here in Baltimore. They have two in Yankee Stadium, one in Yankee Stadium. So the series is tied, I believe, if my math serves me correct. The series is tied. Season series between the two teams are tied at a, at a game apiece. The Orioles, the Orioles won in New York. The uh, the New York has won in Baltimore, and they split Yankee Stadium two two. So both teams have won two. So both teams have won 
two out of three twice, and then you factor, and then they also have, uh, and you also have the two-two series split. So the Orioles have one. So the Orioles have one, taken two of three. So they have two wins, uh, two wins and two out of three in in late May. They have the one victory, their home opener, and then they have the two victories. So they have five. Yankees, they have that Saturday and Sunday victory here in the 4-1-0 in early April. They have the walk-off win when they when Judge homered off of Batista in May. That's win number three. And then they have the third, and then they have wins on the third and the fourth of this month, uh, which equal five. So it's five-five apiece. Yankees, Orioles, uh, the first uh, the. The uh, ser- the seat the series winner of the series coming up this weekend wins the season series, for uh, wins the season series between the two teams. These two teams, unless they're facing the playoffs, will not meet until next season. This is the series finale between the two teams. The one negative of the balance: two teams do not uh, face each other uh, as series feels need to activate itself for some inexplicable reason. Uh, these two teams will not face each other the duration of the regular will not face each other throughout the duration of the regular season after this weekend. They do not play each other in August, do not play each other in September, and would only play each other in October if they win the matchup in the playoffs. And after this weekend, that's it. Orioles, Yankees, they got Cole on the mound going for the Yankees coming up on Friday. First opportunity for me to see Grayson Rodriguez in person. Yes, I will be there Friday uh, Friday night, City Connect night, so hopefully the Orioles don't get blown out. Uh, don't get blown out uh, with a loss. Don't lose, period, but don't waste my time in not showing up. So hopefully they get the job done. They won last City Connect night against the Marlins coming out of the All-Star break. Hopefully they make it back-to-back City Connect dubs and take care of business against Garrett Cole. And the New York Yankees coming up on uh, coming up on Friday. Cole versus uh, Grace Rodriguez should be in for a show with Judge coming back. So not a bad night. And of course, you have the two games that are prime time this week: uh, Fox game of the week at night, Saturday night, and then of and then the game got flexed into Sunday night baseball about a week and a, about a week week and a half ago. Got flexed in this, two weeks ago. Flexed into a Sunday night baseball, so you'll have three consecutive night games for the Orioles, uh, with the one game being only for the local markets to see coming up on Friday night, and then the games on Saturday and Sunday being nationally televised games on your local Fox station on Saturday, and of course ESPN Sunday night baseball uh, coming up on uh, coming up on uh, Sunday gives a whole new meaning. To waiting all day for a Sunday night shout out to Carrie Underwood, but Orioles Yankees that's where you stand with them. Uh, sh- uh, the uh, I'll stick with the American League as it'll be a good segue into the uh, trades in the National League and some opinions for a couple of teams on where they stand as far as the trade deadline is concerned. Shohei Otani is taken off the trade market. The Angels uh, let the uh, world know. Let the world be available of that uh, tonight here on Wednesday, which is a dumb, idiotic, asinine move by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And if you're Mike in the OC, you, you don't be short-sighted and don't be dumb about this. If for the betterment of the Angels, you're not winning with Shohei Otani, okay? You you guys have had Shohei Otani and Mike Chow on, on the same team, active in the same time, the same lineup 
for the last couple seasons, and you haven't won a damn thing. So it, it, it is as clear as can be that you're not winning with Shohei Otani on your roster. Blame Artie, blame the GM, blame the other 25, 24 players on the roster. I'm not interested. You're not winning. You're not winning with Otani by himself. You're not winning with him paired up with Trout. You didn't win with Trout by, by himself. You didn't win with Trout and Otani. You're not winning with Trout with you're not winning with Otani with Trout injured and on the shelf and out of the picture. For the betterment of the, and I understand it's a harsh reality. Circa two thousand eighteen, it's a tough pill to swallow when we had to when we had to when we had no choice but to trade away Manny Machado. And I acknowledge the fact that the Orioles team that, that Orioles team that season was complete and utter disgrace and was going nowhere, breaking all sorts of records of futility left and right, and the Angels mathematically are still right in the thick of it of a wild card chase. But you and I both know, given the Angels' history, that they will be out of that wild card race so fast it'll make your freaking head spin. So the Angels got to be smart about it. They're, the adults in the room got to be adults. Artie Moreno, that means you, the owner that signs the paychecks, got to be adult about it and say, if we really care about the betterment of the Los Angeles Angels franchise down the road here in the here in these in the 2020s decade, we have no choice but to trade Shohei. I understand he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season, uh, so teams aren't necessarily going to throw their throw all of their uh, farm system. Uh, gold to get him, especially when varying on the team, they have an opportunity to sign him in the offseason, and he'd be there for essentially two months, and if they plan the postseason, it'd make it three, but you'd be a, you'd be a fool. The Angels, fools. Fools to keep him. I know why they are, and from a short-term economical standpoint, I get it. You know, milk Shohei Otani for, you know, milk every nickel and every buck you can make off of Shohei Otani so you can keep fans in a ballpark in the middle of September when fans are going to be wrapped up on USC football, uh, USC football, you know, Lakers uh, training camp. And, oh, by the way, here's the uh, Chargers and Rams at, at uh, SoFi every Sunday. But, I mean, but, but still, I mean, fools to not trade them. You get what you can for arguably one of the more talented uh, talented men that have ever played in Major League Baseball. We we can quibble and we can debate, you know, and the stuff about the that the that the people with the Otani pom poms in the media that drive me nuts that 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 that, that drive me insane. But I gotta be fair, gotta be honest, and caught the way I see it. The guy's a phenomenal phenomenal talent, and he's a one in, and he's uh, he, he thus far has been a one in a kind. You know, once every gener, once every you know, three to five generation type player in terms of what he does pitching and hitting at the major league level. So I'm not going to be a fool about it and be an and be an ignorant idiot about it. Uh, with my opinions of the pom pom waving Otani fan club, be damned. Still. Having said that, if the Angels really are are truly serious, and by this move not keeping them and just having them just waste away the rest of the regular season, shows me that they are not what the hell else is new under the under their regime. They're fools, complete and utter fools. What you do, you trade Otani, 
You're fine. You see if somebody can take Trout's injury-prone ass off your hands. You get you get rid of the both of them. You dump them. You blow the whole thing up. You stockpile your your your, your um your uh, your farm system, and you basically start from scratch and go from there. Because the way that this team has gone about it by you know patching patching holes, patching gunshot wounds with little you know two inch bandages is is it has not worked. Little one inch bandages it has not worked. It's not worked. Anthony Rendon, Renfro, Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton once upon a time. It's not worked. Never has worked, never will work. At some point, you got to leave yourself in the mirror says, you know, outside of Trout, we really haven't done a good job at, at, at evaluating and nurturing and growing our uh, homegrown uh, self-drafted t- uh, position player talent. Not to mention the fact that we have no that we haven't had pitching for eons. We got we got it's going to suck. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt us and economically in the short term. It's going to hurt the gate. It, it, we're going. It's going to be a rough patch. And trust me, I'm an Orioles fan. I know. But for the betterment of the long term of the franchise. Again, insanity is doing is practicing and is practicing and or doing whatever word you want to pick the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. The Angels right now are practicing insanity. Even if they even if they have the funds to to sign Shohei Otani and make him an angel for life, would that automatically make them World Series contenders? No. Because it's still. Millions of other holes with the other twenty-four, uh, with the other twenty-four slots on the roster. No pitching. This then the, there's still other problems. They Trout and Otani could combine hit for over four hundred, hit hit a combined hundred and twenty-five home runs and drive in a combined three. 50 some odd RBIs. If the other 24 players on the roster are not carrying their weight, the Astros won't go anywhere but to Cancun once the regular season ends. And it's the same dog and pony show with them. With Moreno, with the same dog and pony show. And they keep on trying to patch gunshot wounds with band-aids and it's not working. They're so short-sighted and focused on the here and now and the hype of seeing their name mentioned on social media and and being a t- and seeing their seeing the team logo be on the Shohei Otani graphic, you know, on MLB Network and ESPN, this, that, and the third, instead of being focused on and keyed in on winning championships and putting out a winning, productive, entertaining product. And I mean winning and productful, inter- entertaining, uh, productive, excuse me, entertaining product outside of the likes of Trout and Otani. Because they've put together some rosters and have had some seasons where it's been, where you have the elite Trout and recently now the elite Otani and then the rest of the roster ain't, ain't, wor- ain't worth, ain't worth uh, 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 an old Wawa sub that's so bad. So, I, I understand it would hurt, but for the betterment of the of the franchise's success, long term, not short term, sell a couple extra, you know, make a, a couple thousands of dollars selling Otani jerseys. Who cares? For the betterment of the franchise, 
You trade him. You figure out what the hell you can do with Trout because I know he's on the shelf and has a injury history. You figure out what to do with those two and you blow the whole thing up. And you and you collect farm system capital. That's what you do. You don't continue to kick the can down the road, practice insanity, and say, yes, I know teams are literally willing to give up their their literal future to have this man play for their team and while they're in the middle of a pennant chase, play for their team for, you know, two, two and a half, three months. Forget that. We got more Otani Angels jerseys to sell, and we got to find a way to fill up the gate in September when kids are back in school and, you know, they're not hung up on Lakers preseason basketball and, and, the, and the Rams and the Cardinals, the Rams and the Cardinals, the Rams and the Chargers, you know, got to prepare for... Kansas City and Cincinnati, and nobody's talking about it because Herbert signed and the and the Rams are going nowhere. Come on. But again, that's why they're the Angels. That's why they're the Angels. Uh, the Dodgers currently right now lead the national lead the National League West. I was very impressed how they performed last week against my Orioles, and they went into Texas and absolutely put a hurting on the Texas Rangers. Uh, in a series uh, down in a series down there, so so and and I give uh, and I give the um, manager of the Dodgers, Dave Roberts, credit. You know he no matter and they went out there and they treated and they got back Kike Hernandez and they traded for Ahmed. Uh, they traded for Ahmed Rosario and sent uh, Noah Syndergaard. Uh, east to uh, the Cleveland Guardians, so to provide a couple of extra uh, infield uh, insurance for them. But give Dave Roberts a ton of credit. They're currently uh, 48, or excuse me, 58 and 43 with a three and a half game lead of San Francisco. They uh, just they, they have a plus 97 run differential. They're 30 and eight at home this season. Uh, they've they just they finally win winning games. They have top-heavy talent across, you know, in their lineup. Uh, the rotation finds a way, has found a way to get it done to the best of their abilities this season, given, given, and albeit uh, the injury problems for them. They just they continue to go out there and find a way to put a hurting on the uh, on the Texas on the Texas Rangers in their series. Uh, they they won a game in walk-off fashion the other night against the Blue against the Blue Jays. Uh, they lost Tuesday night though uh, against Toronto. So you see how they fare. Uh, we'll see how they fare on Wednesday night. But uh, hey, the Dodgers are the Dodgers for a reason, man. They are not. And little did I think, oh, uh, the Dodgers outside looking in. Well, look at the and it's, it's going to be the. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks show. Well, the Arizona Diamondbacks show there's four and a half games out of first place, a half game out of a wild card spot, and only a handful of games above 500 at 55 and 48, and are currently uh, three and seven in their last ten games. So that's what I get for doubt. I mean, the postseason different story, but when it comes to the regular season. Don't do yourself a favor and don't bet against the Los Angeles or bet against or uh, or uh, underestimate the Dodgers uh, in, from April to September because they, April to September, are like a consistent 
machine of a baseball winning wagon like I had like I haven't seen from on a as consistent as they've been haven't seen from any other team in baseball I don't think ever in my lifetime uh the like I said the Diamondbacks fading fast Giants join one three and a half games back losing a series to Washington the Nationals first uh, series win in eons I mean, just completely, 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 uh, completely unacceptable. Well, I shouldn't say first series win, first sweep uh, for San Francisco or for the uh, Nationals in quite some time. But um, uh, but it's just but the Giants, you know, you gotta find you gotta be able to find a way to uh, to uh, to beat the what to beat the Washington. English guy to beat the rebuilding Washington Nationals is completely unacceptable. They're fading fast in the National League wild card standings, uh, or excuse me, in the National League West standings. They currently hold a wild card spot. They are right now. Uh, they right now hold the fifth seed, second wild card spot. They're ahead of uh, Cincinnati. They're ahead of Cincinnati. They are one game better than Cincinnati. For the fifth seed and and uh, second wild card spot, they're a game and a half uh, ahead of the aforementioned Arizona Diamondbacks and the Miami Marlins for the uh, who are ch- who are on the outside looking in in the wild card race. Uh, so that is where you stand uh, with th- that is where you stand with that. I just show hey he, if you're the Angels franchise, you're com- you're committing committing, you know, long-term suicide, long-term uh, baseball, Steve, Steve Phillips called it baseball malpractice, won't go that far, but you're base, you're, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face is what you're doing, and, and, but in, but in reverse, it's just, I understand it's to sell tickets, and I understand how big he is in that area, but for the betterment of the friend, I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, at what point? It's it's not like that he plays for the Harlem Globetrotters or he's in the NBA, where you know, the one great player you can ooh and eye it for hours, and you can you know finagle your way to to compete and possibly win a championship. Baseball, like we've discussed, and infinite with the Yankees, the one great player does not make the whole team and and doesn't make that one that that team that one team a championship level baseball team it's just that's not how that's not how the how the how the sport works and how the and how the sport is going off of injury uh injury going off of uh history it's just it's just it's just fact i mean you got a problem argue with your mother but it's i i can't fathom it man i can't i understand the jerseys and this that and the third but why? But at some point, if I was an Angels fan, you know, yes, seeing Otani a person, one is is it would be I can imagine as a as a as a fun and an electric experience. But at but at what point? At what point do you, you know, do you say Otani's a great talent? This, that, and the third, having a good season. But I don't necessarily want to, you know, do X, Y, and Z and jump through hula hoops. To watch this team play like crap. I wonder what's the philosophy with that when it comes to the uh, with the Angels uh, fan base. Because because I understand you know Otani's you know a great talent and all, but I but you know 
it's it's not golf, it's not tennis, where it's an individual sport where you go to pay to see you know one player perfect its craft. Otani pitches, Otani hits. You still gotta watch a bunch of other guys in an Angels uniform, you know, try to do well, try to do their job at, about a, a quarter of the way as good as Shohei is good at his. I mean, at some point, you know, when do you say no mas? But you know, I ain't an Angels fan, so what can I tell you? But uh, you got the Orioles and Yankees coming up uh, this coming up this weekend. Yankees offense can't hit. Hopefully, it stays that way this weekend as they uh, head south to the 4-1-0 for the final time this season. Garrett Cole, who had an excellent outing against the Royals uh, over the weekend, we'll see how he fares against this uh, against the Baltimore Orioles team that I hope doesn't fall flat on their face and closes the mouth the month up for lousy. I hope they keep their nose to the grindstone. I know it's a grind. I know it's a struggle. It's a long season, but they can't let all their good work go in vain. They got to keep the pressure on the other teams, chasing them within that, looking up uh, at them in the standings in the division, keep the pressure on them, and, and just kick ass and take names against New York this weekend. Uh, the Dodgers, you know, they are the cream of the crop in the West. They got Ahmad Rosario and Kike Hernandez to help them in the back in the in the back end of their season. Giants and Diamondbacks are sliding back. Uh, the Giants just horrendous losses, especially on the road. Diamondbacks, the youthfulness is is, uh, is catching up on them and is and is and uh, is and it's rearing its ugly head and doing what, uh, you know, it's, they're they're a young team. They're not there. They're not ready yet. The young, the youthfulness and the, uh, and and the, I don't want to call it ignorance, but the inexperience of the team starting to uh, rear its, its, uh, its shortcomings as the Diamondbacks are trying to find a way to get into the playoffs. So you have that as well. Uh, and it's also interesting to see where the Cubs and the Padres and the Mets stand. The Mets uh, should sell Verlander, Scherzer, whatever. they Because they cannot, in any circumstances, run back two old pitchers. I understand the Hall of Famers are two old pitchers that have had down years this year on top of that ragamuffin roster and just say, okay, well, uh, Diaz is back healthy with with a new knee. Let's go out there and hope that that the bad that the bad luck, whatever you want to call it, that we suffered last season doesn't come back to bite us in the ass again. And we'll try to run it back and see if we can find a way to win over a hundred games and challenge Atlanta for the division. I mean, they would be they they would be borderline fools to do that. So if I was Steve Cohen, if I was Billy Epler, the GM. Everything must go. I understand that, again, similar with the Angels, with Otani, the apathetic part is going to be tough to stomach. And who's going to be, uh, who's going to make the soldier in the city field when once kids are back in school and everyone's going to be glued in and keyed in with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and the Saquon Barkley and the Giants with Dable, with it being Dable's second year and so I, I get I get that I understand and, and the U.S. Open will take over that city uh, in in mid to late August ne- coming up next month in Queens right right or basically right within walking distance from City Field over there in in, uh, in Flushing. So, I, but 
to do, again, long-term best for the Mets, if you can find somebody at bare minimum to take Scherzer and Verlander off your hands, so whether to give to give uh, Uncle Steve, as they call him up in New York, the funds to um, sign players in free agency for them to sign Otani, and or for them to to give their uh, their farm system a facelift, you have to do it. You have to. They're, they're the Met, The Mets are not making the playoffs, folks. The Mets has, have 75 and 87 written all over them. 78 and 85, take your pick. They have. They are a mid. They are a a, a, a team of a of a win total that will not exceed 78, 70, 77, 78 wins. It's just. Eh. Then if they if they would if they were going to be a serious team to reckon with the National League, they would have shown it by now. Case closed. Period. End of story. Stop ghost chasing, and look at the situation for what it is with with the Mets. If you're a part of the brass up there, uh, and if you're part of the brass up there in Queens, Cubs interesting too, because they are only. Five games behind the aforementioned Cincinnati Reds for the third and final wildcard spot in the National League. They're 49-51, two games under. They've won seven out of the last ten. Cody Bellinger is hitting the cover off the ball, having a bounce-back uh, rebound of a season. He's been the leading cause of the of the Cubs somehow still being in a wildcard race. The argument and the predicament, what do you do with him? And whether or not you trade Marcus Stroman, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. And then the Padres, same thing. You know, you, rumblings of Soto. What are they going to do with him? What are they going to do with Snell? What are they going to do with uh, Josh Hader in the bullpen? Reports came out that Hader and uh, and Snell were going to be unavailable at the deadline. We'll see if that changes in about a week. If if the uh, front office of San Diego changes their mind between now and uh, that August. That July 31st, August 1st, uh, two dates coming up uh, very, very soon down the line. Uh, and what else? Also, you have Jalen Brown, who got the uh, who got a Supermax extension today. Which, and I listen, I understand. Get your money, make your paper. But my goodness gracious, you mean to tell me right now that Jalen Brown is, is worth a $304 million contract? I mean, my goodness gracious me! I mean, he, the, the, uh, we, and we discussed this, and we discussed this back in June. The, the man, straight up, did not, did not deliver. Now, Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart, more, more, more so than him, but, uh, but, Brown didn't exactly distinguish himself to the likes of, you know, Kevin Garnett or Casey Jones in the series against. Uh, and I understand he, 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 you know. Had the uh, clutch was a part of the clutch uh, buzzer beater to force a game to uh, no that was smart I'm getting them confused but um but I get that I understand that but at the bo- the bottom line is is Marcus Smart worth uh, worth over three hundred million dollars for the supermax the answer is no the answer is no. I mean, I'm looking at a headline. NBC Sports says Brown deserved the NBA's richest contract ever. No, and it's nothing personal against him. Just as a player, he's as as we saw this season, he's not on that level. I mean, love it, hate it, make of it what you want, but it's 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 the way it is. 
way it is. I mean, should he be getting paid more money than Nikola Jokic? Who's, you know, MVP, NBA Finals MVP, NBA Finals champion. Should he be getting making more money than Nikola Jokic? The answer is no. So, and they and they got rid and they uh, let Marcus Smart walk. He's now obviously a member of the Memphis Grizzlies. How Brown and Tatum play this season will be interesting, and I'm very intrigued to see if uh, how Marcus Smart and how quickly a Mar- Marcus Smart uh, will uh, elevate his game and the proof to everyone, me included, that he's worth uh, that new contract that he. Uh, just got so I just listen I understand different league players this you know player uh, and you know empowerment this that and the third but still when it comes to getting paid for the work that you do at your job you need you gotta be how about slice that that salary in half then we can have a conversation when it comes to to and I'm not hating on them I'm just saying he should not be making more money than Nikola Jokic. I mean, let's let's get real and and, and inject some uh, some uh, some truth and some reality into this. He should not be making more money than Nikola Jokic. Case closed. End of story. I don't give a damn who his agent is. It's, uh, he should not be making three hundred plus million dollars to be, in essence, Jason Tatum's number two. And he's not, and he, and, he, and he, and not yet at least, not at the level as, as any of uh, Larry Bird's, you know, sidekicks back in the day in the 80s. It could be, but right now, sure as hell, not yet. Not yet, not now. Have a conversation and wake me when that time comes. So that's where you stand in terms of, uh, in sports, like I said, I get to all the football points. Uh, coming up next week as the calendar flips to the month of uh, month of July. I gave you Orioles stuff. Again, you know, Brandon Hyde taking Kramer out. Atrocious move. Bringing in uh, Perez to, to, to pitch the eighth when his team is down a run and that emotional letdown of uh, Bradish giving up the uh, go-ahead, uh, giving up the go-ahead home run, stretching them one batter. Uh, one batter, uh, one too many times. So Hyde has his issues, but my biggest beef right now, and I'm satisfied and I'm happy and I'm proud of the effort that they, that they displayed in Tampa. But my and I understand the team is taxed, emotionally drained, tired from you know. And again, until tomorrow, they had they have played every single day since July the 14th, coming out of the All Star break. Uh, against teams with with 500 records and better, that hold that that uh, that are either contending for playoff spots or currently hold playoff spots. I understand, I get it that it's not easy, but the way that they that they blew two winnable games that they could have found a way to win, you know, with with with, with an arm, with a theor, with a theoretical arm tied behind their back. With limited bullpen options, the team being exhausted, this, that, and the third, and they essentially blew a series win that they very easily could have had. Got it's got to got to be better than that, guys. Got to be better than that. Hopefully, 
uh, they'll get back on the winning training and resume to their winning ways coming up uh, on uh, coming up this weekend. And then you know, and then just the series alone, you know, Gunnar Henderson with had to come out, and that was another thing too. You know, Jorge Mateo's not in the game uh, the other night. If not, Gunnar Henderson has to leave because he's because he has back issues. So. And I read reports and uh, read reports saying that you know he won't be on the IL. Not a real serious thing. Felt better today. Didn't play today. Feels better. Felt better uh, earlier today. He has the off day Thursday. Team has the off day Thursday, and we should see Gunnar Henderson return back uh, to his post uh, coming up Friday night against the New York Yankees. But again, I don't want to see Perez, and I don't want to see uh, Jorge Mateo. Mateo's an automatic out. His defense stinks. Uh, adds adds and provides literally nothing to the team. Big BFD. He's, a, he's, he's fast and a halfway decent base runner. At this level, you got to give me more than good base running. How in the hell are you going to get on base? His, his at-bats are nine times out of ten are non-competitive. He strikes out too much, and again, at for the for the nine thousandth time, he can't hit his weight. I don't, I don't care how fast you want, how fast you run on the bases. The objective of the game is to get on base, and if Jorge Mateo can't do that, he's he's a, he's a waste of a roster spot, and he's a waste of speed. That's all there is to it. So, and then again, Perez either walks the ballpark. Or serves up batting practice. There's no in between. Stop chasing for, for for the for for the mirage, thinking that it's a thinking that it's a real life oasis when it's nothing more than a figment of your imagination. Stop trying to stop trying to chase 2022 uh, CNL Perez when when the reality of CNL Perez in terms of how he is as a pitcher in 2023 has hit you upside the head, Adam Finitum, and 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 Hyde putting him in, and Elias for keeping him employed. It's been hitting them upside the head ad infinitum, and though and those two clearly have not gotten the message and continue to practice practice insanity by keeping him on the team for right for uh, Hyde to put out there in situations like today where they where they can ill afford the Phillies to score another run or or it's or it's good night Philadelphia see in Baltimore Friday night. And they and he keeps on trotting them out there, and then making it worse. Elias gives him an option for Hyde to put out there on the field on a nightly basis because he keeps him on the roster. Just horrendous, horrendous, horrendous. But outside of that, fairly pleased with our Baltimore. Where his starting pitching has done a solid job. Bradish was down to come back down to earth eventually. Doesn't make the fact that he squandered a three nothing lead and then blew the tie game doesn't make it any less unacceptable but it is what it is you live and you live and you learn just i mean you just hope that the quality stretch of starts that he's had where he was posting up scoreless inning after scoreless inning after scoreless inning that that streak resumes as the next start out next week uh and what else uh you know dean kramer should have gotten the eighth inning monday night and uh, hopefully Grace Rodriguez, who showed up Saturday and a much-needed uh, clutch performance from him, hopefully he makes it a back-to-back against the Yankees and doesn't waste my time. And the rest of the team, for that matter, doesn't waste my time coming up uh, Friday on City Connect Night. 
Well, that is your show and another episode of the Amatel I Can Tell You is podcast in the books. Jalen Brown's going to stick around and be a Celtic for the foreseeable future. I am your boy, Jack Shields. If you like what you heard and new to the program, please do not hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram and threads at the J Shield. I will talk to you guys next week. Have a great week. Rest of your week, everybody. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. Talk to you all in the next one. Peace. See ya.